Thank you for listening to the USA Learning Lab podcast. I'm your host, Amy Leo, and this pilot episode explores how USAID is hacking international development from the inside out. And so there's been um, a lack of coordination with people who we are ostensibly trying to benefit. Collaborating, learning, and adapting is just a better way to manage. We need teams who don't want to just execute it against a work plan. Another thing that we're finding is that CLA is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Collaborating, Learning, and Adapting, or CLA, is an approach that recognizes the complexities of international development and empowers practitioners to use continuous learning and an adaptation to strengthen their strategies and programs. In this episode, I'll speak with four development practitioners responsible for shaping and evaluating the impact of CLA. I'm here today with one of the people responsible for formalizing organizational learning and adaptive management within USAID. I'm Stacy Young. I'm a senior learning advisor. I lead the collaborating learning and adapting team in USAID's Bureau for Policy, Planning, and Learning. How would you describe CLA to someone who is not super familiar with USAID or development? I would say that it is USAID's approach to a combination of knowledge management, organizational development, and organizational learning. Why do you think there's a need for this alternative approach to development? There has been a tendency for especially assistance that takes the form of project assistance to end up looking like a lot of different efforts that aren't necessarily coordinated with each other, let alone coordinated, for instance, with other donors or with what the host government is doing or what other actors in the country are doing. And so there's been um, a lack of coordination. There's been a lack of collaboration, particularly with people who we are ostensibly trying to benefit in terms of developing our programs, understanding our programs and and their impact. Um, There have been impediments to how well we learn from what we're doing and how effectively we share what we're doing with others who could adapt promising practices to their own contexts. And so there ends up being reinventing the wheel, um, duplication of efforts, bad practice continuing because people Um, don't necessarily know that it's bad or they don't know that there are alternatives at hand. And a lot of missed opportunities for really understanding the dynamics of development, which are actually more complicated than we often like to admit. It's really hard to know sometimes how to be effective in a particular context. And then the other piece is just that um, the way that we managed uncertainty in the past tended to be to develop really elaborate plans and then incentivize ourselves and our implementing partners to stick to those plans as opposed to being more adaptable as the context changes or as we learn better ways to do things. Can you give an example of a situation in which CLA could have improved a project or activity? I got an email once from a partner who was working in West Africa and they didn't want me to share their name and they didn't want me to share their story, but we we ne- negotiated a version of the story that they were comfortable with me sharing. And basically it boiled down to work that they were doing in agriculture and food security um, where they had been uh, prescribed a method to use in the field that had to do with expanding the amount of land that farmers were working. And what they... Um, 
suspected was that it wasn't that farmers needed more land, it was that they needed to manage smaller plots of land more effectively. With the larger plots, the farmers couldn't spend the time that they wanted because they had to, the plots were, were cut up and they had to travel from this plot to that plot to the other plot. They took a subset of participants in the intervention and worked with them on um, intensification as opposed to extensification. So improving their farming methods and sure enough their yields increased and their livelihoods increased. They took these results to the mission, but the mission was still in that mode of we have a plan, it's informed by a theory of change, we need to stick to the plan. And they weren't actually allowed to adapt, even though they, they were getting new learning about what would work in that context. And so that was a really stark example of how we get in our own way when we follow a course that doesn't really treat our, our partners as peers and we're not collaborating with them and, and we don't have the culture in place where we have a relationship where they feel like they can be candid with us and we also haven't built in to our program designs and our funding mechanisms and our man management methods ways to be adaptable. So that was one story that really stuck with me about how we could do better. Thank you for sharing that story, Stacy. It really painted a picture in my mind of the impact a CLA approach can have on both the outcomes of development activities and how organizations operate. I understand that part of your work is to research the extent to which CLA can have an impact on development outcomes. Can you tell me a little bit about this work? It's really important to expand how we think of evidence. It's really hard to gather concrete evidence around CLA's impact or its contribution to development because the the effect is it's indirect. We're trying to build the capacity of people in missions and of missions as organizations so that they will then be able to do more effective development work. So there's an indirect impact that we're trying to measure which can be tricky. It's also really tough to quantify and so we've been focusing um, in part on developing better methods to measure and demonstrate the value that we create by uh, focusing intensively and, and investing in collaborating learning and adapting. And it's my hope that by developing new methods for measuring things that are difficult to measure, we can also benefit other sectors. You know, we do a lot of work at USAID on things around women's empowerment or around the intangible aspects of democracy, rights, and governance. These are hard things to measure, so I think improved measurement methods and an expansive view of what constitutes evidence will benefit everybody in international development because it will get us beyond simply counting, counting bed nets or vaccinations or textbooks or whatever. In the West Africa, when we were working with the mission, one of the staff members said, basically it's just the best practices of program management. In her role as manager for organizational learning and research on the USA Learn contract, Mona Lisa Salib is doing the difficult work Stacy described, finding a way to measure the intangible. So the why for us is that so many of us believe really intensely and to our core that this kind of work makes a difference, but how can we actually show that via research and other, um, and other evidence, uh, which includes experience? 
So we're trying to um, build this evidence base that, to answer the question, does an intentional, systematic, and resource resourced approach to CLA really make a difference to development? Uh, and if so, how and under what conditions? Mona Lisa, I understand that your team released a literature review on the evidence base for CLA. Can you tell me how you went about this research? In the literature, of course, there's nothing known as CLA. I mean, that's a that's something that is specific to the USAID context. But essentially, we took the framework. Let me interrupt for a second to explain that the CLA framework is a visual tool. You can find it on USA Learning Lab that disentangles the various components of CLA to help you think more deliberately about what approach to CLA might be best tailored to your organizational or project context. So things like collaboration, learning, organizational learning, adaptive management, knowledge management, institutional memory, all these kinds of things that are associated with CLA, but that's how they're known uh, more in the literature. So we started there and we organized the literature review according to the framework, according to the components and subcomponents, and we're essentially asking what's the evidence that, for example, collaborating makes a difference to development but also to organizational effectiveness. Because our thought was that CLA also has an impact on how teams and organizations function, and so there may be more evidence about organizational impact than necessarily development outcomes. And that turned out to be the case because it's very hard to come across literature specific to development outcomes and how CLA has affected that. So uh, that's how we did it. And we had this quite massive spreadsheet of all the components and subcomponents and where we found literature that, uh, that fit into the components or subcomponents. Can you summarize some of your findings? Yeah, I think the top line findings are that even though there's no comprehensive, quote-unquote, you know, evidence base that collaborating, learning, and adapting makes a difference to development, there are really specific pieces of evidence that support aspects of CLA. And so some of those are that monitoring and evaluation for the purpose of learning and decision-making is really critical. Another key finding was the importance of reflection and how if we just constantly experience without reflecting on it, it we, we won't see changes in our performance. So that reflection is really linked to improved performance. So another key piece was about the importance of strategic collaboration and how effective collaboration has been shown to uh, improve performance among teams and organizations, but that collaboration not, not strategically used could actually be counterproductive. And I think that Uh, is affirmed by many of our experiences. The other key piece was about uh, donor staff success is linked to using locally led approaches. So this is an emerging area about how if donors use locally led approaches that leads to greater uh, effectiveness. And then the last piece is around how leaders are really key to creating that learning culture. And again, most of this is borne out by our experience. But that piece about having leaders who support an organizational culture around learning and adapting is really critical. Melissa, I know that you've been working in development for about a decade. Why is CLA compelling for you, given what you've seen and experienced in your work? So I think collaborating, learning, and adapting is just a better way to manage. So in what I've seen over in development over the last 12 years, 
I really started entering the space from the perspective of locally driven development and how important that is. And that's really um, looking at the importance of collaboration with local stakeholders. So that's my starting place. And I think that might be a lot of people's starting place. Uh, and so if that's the case, if we believe strongly and I believe strongly that development should be locally driven, then how do I collaborate effectively? How do I manage effectively in order to make that happen? And so to me, collaborating, learning, and adapting is just a way of managing. It's nothing, you know, in the West Africa, when we were working with the mission, one of the staff members said, basically, it's just the best practices of program management. And so that's how I come at it, that it, if I'm managing uh, collaboratively, if I'm trying to learn from what I'm doing and constantly improve, then I'm going to probably be doing a better job than if I weren't doing those things. So to me, it's about that uh, strategic collaboration with the right people, and it's also about the learning and constant improvement, which is the adapting. And so I don't see any other way to manage. <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me to manage any other way. That's what the literature says, but I was interested in knowing what we're seeing in the field at the programmatic level. What does CLA actually look like in practice, and how does it impact organizational culture and development outcomes? My name is Allison Hemberger. Um, I am Markets and Learning Advisor at Mercy Corps. Can you tell me a little bit about what Mercy Corps does? Um, Mercy Corps, we are an implementing partner to USAID and to several other donors as well. Um, we are little less than, I think, probably 5,000 people worldwide, and we, we do humanitarian and development work in 40-some-odd countries. So in your experience, Allison, how is adaptive management resonating in the field? Is it something that people are interested in doing? We, we love to talk about the way that we're driven by the field. Um, and what's been surprising about adaptive management, I, I initially actually got involved in this when I was in the field and now I'm in an HQ role, is how, how strong the appetite is at the field level. So our field managers, when you talk to them about this, they, they turn on to it, they want to talk about it, and they want, they want to figure out how to support it within their programs more. A lot of them are doing it already. But if you think about your job as a field manager, how, many, how much of your day doesn't have to do with um, necessarily, um, you know, you're, you're not necessarily coming up with, you know, a new brilliant approach that's going to change development. No, what you're doing to make your program a high-impact program is you're thinking about your team. You're thinking about who's motivated, who's not. You're thinking about how you can improve your processes so that, so that, um, so that you can be more efficient. You're, these, these are the work of our field teams. And so, the thing that's been really interesting about adaptive management and CLA gaining so much momentum in places like D.C. or in London is that it actually gives voice and gives credit to our field teams where they're already doing a lot of this stuff and then gives them a foundation and a place um, for those who are strong and also for those who, who struggle a bit more to, to, to access knowledge around adaptive management and think a little bit more about how how they manage and how they can be helpful. I've shared the results of the literature review on the evidence base for CLA, and I'm interested to hear where you've seen examples of the value of learning in the field, maybe starting with the finding about um, collaboration. 
one of the things that I've, I've just been really interested by is this, this aspect of, of culture building and how important it is for collaboration. So what was interesting in the literature review is it directly dri- draws this link between collaborative teams and better results. And then when I see, when I, when I go in and sit with our teams, I see how that collaborative work gets done and how important it is uh, to, to focus on that. So, so recently we, through a partnership with IRC called ADAPT, we worked on a set of case studies where we actually went and sat with programs and looked at what helped them to adapt and what hindered them from adapting and, and looked at what that meant in terms of the, the results that programs were able to achieve. And there's something that I, I notice is really interesting. When you walk into an office in one of our field programs, you, you can immediately tell that the teams that are collaborative and that are critically thinking and that are pushing to do better work. And, and it's interesting that all of this has to do actually with, with an aspect of culture um, and, and the way that leadership prioritizes that culture. So, so you know, just to, to give you a few examples, um, the, you know, walk into our our office for our, our South and Central Syria team and, and they've got pictures of each other where they've, they've you know, they've taken, done caricatures of each other and they've got those hanging on the wall. They sing silly birthday songs to each other uh, when it's someone's birthday. Um, even, even the leadership focuses on the, on the tiny little details that keep their team motivated and working well together. Like whether or not their desks, they collaborate better if their desks are all facing each other or facing away from each other. And I think that that level of, so, so if we talk about collaborative teams, that level of, of understanding how people really can work together um, in a way that helps them best share ideas, I think is really important. Uh, it was interesting to see that pop out in the literature review, also because I think we've seen it coming out of other sectors as well. You, you may have seen that the New York Times uh, recently did a, a big a big article on, on Google's research around, around their teams and what made them be effective. And it was, and it was about this collaboration, this open communication, having, having meetings where people end up feeling like they can, they can work in a fluid way with each other. And at the end of the meeting, they don't want to leave the room because they, they enjoy spending time with each other. So I think that that's, that aspect of collaborative teams has been, um, has really been important for us to, to see and, and recognize that that's adding actual value in terms of our impact on the ground. So it sounds to me like an organization's culture is a really important precondition for learning um, and that leaders have a really important role to play in, in building that culture. Yeah, and I think there's a really interesting connection there. So I, I did... Yeah, I, I touched on this aspect of adaptive leadership, and, and you don't get collaborative teams unless you have the right leaders in place and the types of leaders that are really focused on, on helping their teams work well together and motivating them towards the outcomes they want to achieve. Uh, we need teams who don't want to just execute against a work plan. We want, them, we want teams who are, are turned on so that when they see something going right or wrong out in the field, they, they want to do something about it to make it better. And so, so mo- recruiting and motivating a team around that, I think, is, is, is so critical. And, and it was really nice to see that come out in the literature re- review because of the way that we see it in our program. From your experience in the field, Allison, what does it look like for a leader to model CLA? Learning Lab actually did, did an interview recently with one of our field leaders who I think really models this well. Uh, our, uh, our deputy regional director in East Africa, Malaku Yirga, he's, 
he's really great at this stuff and and um he's he's modest so he probably wouldn't tell you that himself <laughs> but he has a few quotes that that i've actually heard him say a few multiple times and i think that they really resonate for me as as the characters the characteristics of an adaptive leader someone who creates a safe space for teams to take risks um and to recognize that if it doesn't go out if it doesn't work as they want it to that we will we will change and we will adapt and we will improve and so that aspect of of creating a culture where people can ask critical questions and take risks i think is really important Another quote then comes from one of the program managers that he, he had mentored, and he always, he always says that he has these crazy ideas, so I can just come with my crazy idea. So this aspect of being able to be entrepreneurial in programs is really, really important. And you can't, you can't get entrepreneurs within programs if you don't have leadership that encourages that. So from having a leader like Malaku who says, let's just try something and keeps his office door open to all of his team members and is always welcome to hearing one of their ideas, whether it's good or bad, and having a critical discussion about how we can improve it, you see that he's created an entire team of, of, of people who are mentoring each other and, and, and can come up with quotes like, I can just come with my crazy idea. And it might be good and it might be bad, but we're going to find that out. Another key finding in the literature review is about the importance of locally led development. What has been your experience with this approach? One of the examples that I really liked from our own programming where I saw this locally led development having a, a strong impact was actually in the Ebola response in Liberia, where we had a program that worked through 77 local partners organizations that opened up their briefcase for the first day when when Mercy Corps came and said, hey, what we need to we need to have a social mobilization platform for sharing messages around how to protect yourself from Ebola. And and what was interesting about what Mercy Corps' approach was is that it didn't it wasn't top down. It had very few rules about what people needed to do, how partners could implement. Partners could come up with their own approaches and they could implement them as and implement them as they liked. They were responsible for, you know, getting to the results that we needed. But as a result, we saw all sorts of creativity in terms of what, what partners did. And a lot of them built on their local strengths. You know, they used, they used drama if they were used to youth mobilization. If they were women's groups, then they, they worked through their women's networks. And, and we saw a lot of really powerful work happening because partners were able to come up with their own approaches. Kat Howe, a monitoring, evaluation, research, and learning specialist on the USA Learn contract, is responsible for quarterly updates on the evidence base for CLA. Kat, can you tell me what we can expect to see from your team in the future? Almost every day we're looking for articles or different pieces of evidence um, that support or challenge CLA. What do you think you'll find in the next iteration of the literature review? I think we'll find um, evidence that corroborates what we've already found and what we already published in our last um, blog post um, and strengthens what we already know to be true about the impact of CLA. I think we'll also have some new ideas and new evidence about CLA that we may not have known before or even considered. Um, and I think also new evidence that's coming out will also challenge the way that we think about CLA and CLA's impact on organizations and development outcomes. Um, and we're really being intentional about that, of really actively seeking out different perspectives on CLA um, and being open to being challenged about what we believe to be true about CLA. Wow, it's really exciting for me to hear how you approach this with such an open mind. Um, can you give me an example of 
evidence you've come across that's challenged what you previously believed to be true about CLA? So another thing that we're finding is that CLA is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, And in some instances, there's been a couple of articles that I've read recently about um, how too much collaboration can actually kill creativity or slow teams down. So we're really trying to figure out kind of the nuance to CLA, not just whether or not CLA works, but if and how and when it works um, and get a little bit more specificity so that we can share back out those those nuggets that we're learning uh, with our community. Okay, so I understand that you're looking to the USA Learning Lab community for help with your research. How can we help? You can help um, by sharing with us any articles um, that you read or examples from your work or examples from the field that you think might help us strengthen the evidence base for CLA um, and also challenge maybe something that we believe to be true about CLA. And you can do that by emailing info at usalearninglab.org. Right now, we have a lot of resources that demonstrate the ways that CLA activities strengthen organizational effectiveness and team performance, but the link between organizational effectiveness and development outcomes is still unclear. So we're specifically looking for resources or evidence that demonstrates the way that CLA impacts development outcomes. So if you have any stories um, or tidbits or articles that you think might help us get there, please send them to us. Thank you, Kat. And again, that email address is info at usalearninglab.org. This concludes our pilot episode of the USA Learning Lab podcast. Please let us know what you think about it by leaving a comment on USA Learning Lab or tweeting at USA Learning. We're also interested in knowing what topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. Our music is by Poddington Bear. What do you th- can you describe what you think CLA sounds like? You know, you asked me that question, and I gave it some thought, and it made me think for the first time in decades about a way that I used to wake up, which was um, listening to a classical music station that would start its morning programming with the sound of one bird, and then other birds would join in, and you'd be half asleep, and you would be hearing just, just that one bird song, and then other bird songs kind of joining in, but it was sort of a a cacophony, right? They weren't really singing the same song, but then they would introduce very quietly and then building an actual orchestrated piece of music. And although I haven't listened to classical music in a while, probably I should go back to that, um, it it reminded me of that, of the way that CLA can start with just one practice and then it can be several things and they are not necessarily knitted together but ultimately they build towards something that is much more holistic like the CLA framework in which the pieces aren't perfect but they're coordinating with each other and actually adding up to something that's much greater than the sum of its parts. The USAID Learning Lab podcast is a production of USAID Learn, implemented by DEXIS Consulting Group and its partner, International Resources Group, a subsidiary of RTI. On behalf of USAID's Office of Learning, Evaluation, and Research in the Bureau for Policy, Planning, and Learning, the opinions in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of the United States government.